This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Take the baseline out. Uh huh. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Hardwood Knox podcast. I am Dan Favalli, coming at you without my co-host, Andy Bailey, who has abandoned you all for something called law school midterms, so we know that he doesn't have his priorities straight. But it's a special episode of the Hardwood Knox podcast because it's our 100th episode, and we're going to be previewing the Minnesota Timberwolves because why wouldn't we do that for the 100th episode? And I am stoked to be joined by... Haley O'Shaughnessy, who is an editorial assistant at The Ringer, who has kindly agreed to come on and talk about this Timberwolves team. How are you doing tonight, Haley? I'm doing great. How are you, Dan? I am spectacular. Hardware Knox is turning 100, so I feel old, and, and I like it. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me on for this special 100th one. I feel very, very special. Yes. You know- Five-hour tea with caffeine from green tea leaves. It's delicious, energizing, and comes in three amazing flavors. With zero sugar and four calories, it fits your life. With its compact size and portability, it goes where you go. To the campsite, the hiking trail, the beach, without weighing you down. Five-hour tea. Caffeine from green tea leaves. Release your natural sight. From the makers of five-hour energy. For more information, visit fivehourenergy.com. As we talked about before, it was totally planned, and we went to a lot of people. <laughs> to make sure that you were guest number 100. Yeah, we've been waiting since like 74. And, you know, my people only let me do things like 100 anniversaries. Right. It was a tough negotiation. But I'm glad we were able to find some common ground. <laughs> so we're talking wolves. I'm excited. Yes. I mean, I hope you're excited because I think I tend to be a little bit down on them more than most people. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm just a perennial pessimist. But what was to kind of find a launching point what was your just general impression of of this off season for them did you like it well i would say that first of all if you're disappointed you have about let's see since 2004 to have that built up so that's fair um <laughs> i actually did really like the off season um i feel like people soured on it because at first it was like nobody could believe the jimmy butler trade like that kind of thing just doesn't happen to the timberwolves and then everything afterwards kind of fell flat um I know that, like, for example, when they signed Jeff Teague before, there were rumors about Kyrie Irving, there were thoughts about Kyle Lowry, and then you get on to Jeff Teague, who's perfectly fine, and although I love Ricky Rubio, is an upgrade, um, can score for himself, but I think that when you compare them, it's kind of 
like not as great a move in retrospect. And that also happened with Taj Gibson. Everyone was really hopeful about Paul Millsap. Um, and then you get Taj Gibson. Um, and I also think that a lot of the other moves like Jamal Crawford, for example, you know, he obviously hasn't shot well in quite some time. Um, but I do think that they are good pieces. And I think with especially Jamal, and I've said this a couple of times, it's really underrated for Thibodeau to have guys in the locker room that he trusts. And I think that probably more than anything on the court, that's what Jamal is going to be good for. Um, and some of the other guys, too. I mean, it's pretty obvious to me when a defensive minded coach like Thibodeau doesn't have um, the effort maybe from guys on the defensive end, uh, especially like Wiggins last year and Carl Anthony Towns last year, um, that maybe the locker room is a place of struggle and maybe he needs older guys uh, in their ears. So I think from that standpoint, um, the off season was great. Uh, and I, I do think that some people kind of were, un were unenthusiastic at the end of it. What did you think about it? Yeah, I, you know what, and you just made me think about this, which was a very good point. Maybe the Jimmy Butler trade, like, that just set a bar that was too high for them to go and meet because they, they fleeced the Bulls in that trade. Like, the pick right. swap was just one of the most egregious things I've ever seen. I know. I couldn't believe that they gave they got a pick back. I could not believe that on top of everything else. And not only that, but he drafted Justin Patton, who I have an inexplicable soft spot for, and I know he won't yeah, play him seems, for I, I need to hear more about that later. Yes, this is we'll intriguing have to, we'll to have me. To get to, I, I don't, it's irrational, <laughs> but we'll have to get to it. Yeah, so maybe that's why I just soured on it. And I didn't have as big a problem with, like, the Jeff Teague deal. Like, George Hill, maybe he's a better fit because he's a little better defensively. Um, you clearly could tell that they might have been looking for some type of different of a shot creator. So they showed interest mm -hmm. in Kyrie Irving. Um, I just, the Taj Gibson deal, and I, it's, I know it's kind of stupid to make these comparisons in hindsight, and also that the Wolves can't just pick players and force them to sign with them. But to give him $14 million a year, uh, that's less than, like, P.J. Tucker and Patrick Patterson are getting together per year. Right. And those would have both been better fits for them. And that's where I just I, I turn on it. And the, the Wiggins extension just makes me so uneasy, which he hasn't signed yet because he's in no rush to get super rich, <laughs> as we can all relate to. I know I'm like what if like I mean this is like not wishing the worst obviously but I'm just like what if you like get injured in like one of these preseason games like just sign this thing already well, he really I, is waiting to the last minute right and I had this conversation with Fred Katz and Norman Transkip like we don't really know how like these NBA signing contracts work we just see them signing at a table did he like just get the final document and he just took it home with him so even if he tore his ACL tomorrow he could just sign it and the wolves are screwed or can they still right. rescind it Right. Who knows? And also, we, we also really don't know, like, all of the nitty-gritty little things that maybe they're talking about back and forth. And also, um, their Wolves owner, Glenn Taylor, was so insistent on meeting with Wiggins in person and getting this kind of, you know, handshake agreement, like a gentleman's agreement, that Wiggins was going to improve. And then Wiggins came out um, two weeks ago and was like, you know, I already think I deserve this money. So I'm not sure if there's like some kind of, if he like felt weird about the owner saying that and is holding off because of that. I mean, I'm sure he'll sign because, um, it's a maximum extension. And for someone like him, you know, I don't think that's coming anywhere else yet. Uh, but I'm not sure like why it's taking this long. And I hope that he does sign soon because, you know, like you said, we don't know how this works and, It'd be nice for him to have guaranteed money. I think that's something we can all support. 
I guess it's just because of like the agent limbo he was in, but I don't know. Like he, if you already got rid of him, like I don't understand like what the hoops would be. Um, right. That too. That too. And I think that actually he's not being represented by anyone currently. Um, you'd have to double check on that. But maybe if that's the case, then he's also like taking an extra long time to look through all the details. Yeah, maybe. I thought for some reason, and he's not represented by anyone right now, which I guess if they get 10%, he saves himself $14.8 million. But I was <laughs> I was under the assumption initially that this was the deal his previous agent negotiated so that it still would, he still would have been a part of it. So I don't know if maybe there's like some sort of a legal hang-up there where he has to wait a certain amount of time to sign it so that it's not considered someone oh. else's property. That's I honestly have no idea. I'm just Right, right. On. Yeah, I don't know. That could be it. Um, I, but so he would be a good place to start. I, I guess you make this investment because he's 22. It was weird. Uh, as you said, that Glenn Taylor kept like coming out and saying, Oh, we're going to give him the max. And I don't necessarily know what you expect a 22 year old kid to say when, when you, uh, proposition to him with, I'm going to give you this money, but only if you promise to try really hard. Like he's not right. Like what else he's, but I just don't, I don't think it's as a given that Wiggins, Butler and Towns all kind of fit together now because Butler kind of seems like seems complimentary but he's never shot league average from three in consecutive seasons and he was a very good spot up shooter last year but they account for such a small share of his shots Wiggins was finally a good spot up shooter last year uh, but they again accounted for kind of a small percentage of his shots and that mm-hmm. was next to a pass first point guard like Rubio and and then you just have Towns and and you still have to you know Teague's gonna attack the basket like you said and try and get his shots and I'm just wondering if, if it's all going to mesh together. Now, I'm not saying never, but this season, entering the first year together, that's just that's, – I can't get around that on the offensive end, especially because their offensive production has just been considered this formality. Like, oh, they're going to be a really good offensive team, and I could kind of see it taking some time and there being some, like, tactically butted heads. Right. I mean, this it's three guys who are really used to getting a ton of looks. I mean, there's Jimmy Butler, obviously – and then, you know, Wiggins and Cat for the entire duration that they've been in the NBA, um, they've just been guys who have been constantly fed the ball by somebody who's a pass-first guard like Rubio. And, I mean, I guess it's four if you count Teague, um, like you said, going to the basket. But there's actually a great article uh, that my colleague Danny Chow just wrote this week on The Ringer looking at Wiggins and Butler playing together since everyone's kind of showed concern about them being sort of the same offensively. Um, and, you know, I guess a lot of people consider that if Wiggins is at his potential, he will be, end up being someone like Butler. But a great point that Danny makes is that Wiggins settled for a ton of jumpers last season because ball handling isn't really his biggest strength. So he'd pull up instead of going all the way inside. Um, yet when he is close to the basket, he's such a good finisher and he can draw a lot of fouls in the game. Um, but Butler is a much better ball handler. And I think should they get into a position with each other, I mean, you're right. Like, it might take some time to mesh, but I, I truly think that they'll get into um, a spot where their roles are complementary to each other rather than clashing. And that also depends on how much um, Wiggins and Cat respond to winning because it's going to, like, shock them to be on a winning team. And if it's something that they end up buying into – instead of, say, like wanting to make an all-star team or, you know, whatever else they have in their sights, then, you know, that also matters. But if not, they could get pretty upset um, because their touches are definitely going to go down. There's no doubt. I mean, if if ball handling is an issue for Wiggins, then I guess having Butler helps because that one, Butler's a good passer too, and he was used to being that lifeline in Chicago. That helps Wiggins 
from catch and shoot looks. And I would be interested just because Wiggins is six eight and I don't you know, teams don't bust this out too much, but that dual wing pick and roll, maybe you have Jimmy Butler run it with Wiggins as your role guy if he's able to set some hard right. screens and that'd be that'd be really interesting to see. I don't know if Tom Thibodeau is that creative or if that's even on the table, but I would pay big money to see that happen regularly. Right. Um, and for, you you talked about you know Towns and Wiggins how they react to winning. Like the Timberwolves are still waiting for them on defense. And when I look at it, and I had to write about Carl Anthony Towns last week, so I looked at his defense a lot. And I, I almost genuinely felt bad for him at points because there were times where it seemed like he was lazy on closeouts or he was kind of watching guys attack the basket instead of leaving his guy. But it just seemed like there was too much ground for him to cover. And then I see Wiggins, and it, it just looks like I don't even know what to call it. It's something worse sometimes than inattention. And I don't know if he's doing it on purpose, but he's so lackadaisical on closeouts, and he just like he doesn't even watch his guy sometimes when the ball isn't in his hands. And I just don't understand it. And now we're in year, we're going into year four, of saying, well, he just has the physical tools to be a really, really good oh, defender. I know. And it, it's just at what point do we stop saying that? Now it's you know, and you make a good point, like oh, maybe winning will help, but you know, if one hundred and forty-eight million dollars doesn't help, it's been three years. I guess you're under a second year with Thibodeau. It's just such a bizarre, like, I can't feel bad. Like, where Towns, I could genuinely see him becoming a good defender and where it seemed like he, he did try last year. And, I'm I don't, again, I'll never say players don't try, and I'm sure Wiggins tried, but there's just, there doesn't seem to be anything there. Um, yeah, so, oops, sorry, my earbud fell out. So, with Wiggins, I mean, obviously the most annoying thing with him defensively is that you're right. It just seems like he's like zoned out. Like the lights are on, nobody's home. And we've seen before, you know, we'll see on like select possessions where like, do you remember the video of him like locking down James Harden from two years ago? It's the one that like, I mean, it's the best one to reference whenever I'm like, no, look, he has the athletic tools to be a great defender (laughs) because it's like he locked down James Harden. Um, But that's why it's so frustrating, right? Is because he, does seem to have the athletic potential, you know, whereas some guys in his position don't. And, you know, we all wanted him to be the new Kwai, and it seemed like, you know, he had all the tools to be that. Now, with that being said, he is paid, and sometimes it's like if you're waiting for a guy to give more effort, it usually becomes the year before they're going to get paid and not after. (laughs) But I do think if there's anything that can help him there, it's Jimmy Butler, because all the profiles I've read of him just sound like he is like this super intense second coming of Kobe. There was actually a quote of his in the recent vice story. I don't know if you read that. Yes. It was a profile of him over the summer. Yeah. And he was like talking about, I get so upset because I can't understand why people don't want to win like me. So if you're like, if you have a guy right next to you that you're like super close to position wise, And he's not trying, you know, he's going to lay into him. And we'll see, like, how that works. We'll see if Wiggins is the kind of guy who responds positively to that um, and then, you know, in turn starts showing effort on each play or if he's the kind of guy that shuts down from something like that. We'll have to see because before, I mean, he's never really had someone in his position that intense who can call him out for something like that. Right, and I guess that's where being justifying paying – well, I'm, trading for Butler you don't have to justify, but you know, Taj Gibson's the same way where it seems like he would get into someone for 
blowing your defensive rotation. And right. I, and I guess the other thing with Jimmy Butler is just to use the Spurs as an, as an example. Now that Jimmy Butler's there, like he's going to be the one matching up with Kawhi Leonard, and that's going to allow Wiggins to go on someone like Danny Green, which just drums right. up the value of his appeal, I guess, on defense by, by default. So I just I. I don't know how much stock you place in that, though, like with those men. He's never had it. I mean, Garnett was there for a quick minute, uh, but he really mm-hmm. seemed to focus on Towns. But I, I don't know how much stock you place um, in these mentors being there or just having those vocal presences on the court. I, I, I think they matter. I'm just I, I don't know. I never figure out where I kind of end up on that subject. It's actually one of those cliches I really buy into. You know, it's like one of those things that coaches always say that they are so happy to have or that they need and it's definitely something that I think is actually very important, especially for a young team like this, because I keep going back to this, but if you have a defensive minded coach like Thibodeau, who is so intense and he's all about practice and he's all about reviewing games and he's all about, you know, breaking down what went well and what went wrong. And you're still like seeing a lack of effort on defense. It just seems like it's some, like someone needs to like talk to them. You know what I mean? Someone who they'll be responsive to. So I actually put a lot of stock in it. I don't know if, you know, obviously I've never been inside an NBA locker room, you know, at halftime when they're, you know, trying to get other guys in shape. But I actually do put a lot of stock in the veterans. But I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see this season. And then afterwards, if it ends up flat again, then you were right. <laughs> they're actually not that important. And Taj Gibson wasn't worth the money. We'll see. I, I don't think they're unimportant because, again, Kevin Garnett, I think someone like that matters. Um, I just don't know. Like, the Bulls locker room seemed kind of fractured last year with Jimmy Butler. Uh, Taj Gibson, I guess I could see it from. I just I, – I guess, I, again, I just don't know where I, I end up on it. Um, but if uh, – Jimmy Butler's at least going to make his life easier. So, th- so that's a, a huge plus for the Timberwolves right there at least. Yeah, you're right. Jimmy Butler last year and Dwayne Wade had a lot of issues when – I think there was especially one game when they lost and they thought that the young guys didn't think it mattered. And so afterwards they told reporters openly that, you know, they were unhappy and that the guys had to step up and take it seriously. And that's where I could see something like this going sour. You know, if, if Wiggins or Cat doesn't respond well to that, because that's going to be a whole lot of intensity that they never really had before. And Or maybe it's a situation where Thib- Thibodeau gets to play the bad guy because Hoiberg was never going to do that in Chicago, and we're like a minute <laughs> into the preseason, and Thibodeau, after that Warriors loss, was like, you know, you can't wait on patience because then you suck. Like, it was just, <laughs> it was, like, I know they let up it 142. Was so it, he said, you can't wait on potential. I'm like, they are 22 and 21. They were the youngest Thibodeau. team in the league last year. Like, it's just. <laughs> and, that was ridiculous. They're literally paying this. They're literally paying Wiggins based on his potential. Like, there's no way that you can't wait on it. And then I think the same in the same practice, he had a quote that said something like, "They were like, well, are you happy with your team's progress?" And he was like, "I'm never happy." So that's just basically him in a nutshell. Yeah. So then maybe that allows Jimmy to be that conduit between coach and like, like he won't have to say those things because Thibodeau's already saying it, and he can kind of be the good mentor who takes. Wiggins under yeah. his shoulder, but I don't even know that I've viewed, you know, I'm talking about Jimmy Butler as a mentor, like he's 50 years old and he's, he's 28 and it, it's just, I, I don't know. I guess I don't know whether I see it, but I could definitely see it from Gibson and maybe that's where he earns his $14 million a year, even though I'll, I'll never see it like that one. Right. I, don't, I don't know if anyone could talk me into it. Right. I think there's certain guys who, regardless of age, they just seem more like veterans, um, like Avery Bradley. He's, like, super young, and yet I think of him as this, like, super wise guy. 
Um, but also the thing with Jimmy is like he wasn't always supposed to be this player that he's become. So I think that's probably why I think of him as someone who can get other guys in shape like a veteran can. Do you have, um, since I guess I'm clearly more worried about the dynamic, do you think that for Carl Anthony Towns, is he the one who's going to have to make the biggest adjustment of these, let's just say three guys, because I think Teague is, it's like you said at the beginning of the podcast, and I don't think you could use any better description. He's perfectly fine, and it just seems like he'll do whatever his role needs to be. But among those three of Wiggins, Butler, and Towns, do you see him maybe having to make the most adjustments because of the position he plays and Butler and Wiggins are naturally going to have the ball in their hands more? Or do you think it's going to need to be one of the other two? No, I definitely think it'll be Carl. Because, I mean, ignoring for a second the fact that Jimmy is now on the team um, and that takes away a lot of, you know, the looks. Last year he was operating with Ricky Rubio who literally would feed him the ball whenever he wanted. And when you have a point guard who has who is it's a very good option for him to drive inside. And, you know, I saw it in their preseason game against the Lakers in their opener, like he can do it. And I remember being shocked and I was like, Oh yeah, this isn't like Ricky Rubio's Wolves anymore. You know, as much as I love him, it's it's definitely an option for Jeff Teague to take it inside. And um I actually in my preview, I had this crazy stat that Rubio gave made more field goal opportunities for Wiggins. Then he shot himself. And I think it was probably the same for Towns. But, I mean, it's like you're looking at this guy who literally was so pass first because he didn't want to ever shoot the ball. And it's just going to be an entirely different dynamic. And I think that especially with Carl, since he was usually underneath, um, it's gonna he's going to probably feel it the most. And I, they're probably going to ask him to play a little bit more outside as well. I think Since their shooting is... Right. I think that that was going to be my next question. Is, do you think the, the spacing concerns for them are overrated, underrated, or do you just think they're they're real? And Towns is, he has to be, I look to the front court immediately for their spacing. He has to be their best floor spacer. And I think probably a good litmus test to see whether anyone watches the Timberwolves or knows who Gorgie Jang is, is do they have a second guy who can space the floor up front? And they do. It's, it's Jang. Um, he seems to, and I mentioned this to you before, and he seems to just stretch his, he shot threes last year, but it seems like every year he seems to move like two or three feet more out when he's <laughs> comfortable firing away in volume. Yeah, yeah, he definitely does. I know, I love um, every game when, like, he'll hit a mid-range jumper and the announcers will be like, oh, we've never seen that before from Gorgie Jang. And it's like, well, <laughs> you know, he's had it in his arsenal for a while now. Um, I'm actually not that concerned with spacing. I know that it's, like, everyone's favorite thing to bring up, but my thing with people worrying about rosters who maybe don't dominate shooting as much um, and are therefore, you know, not as capable of spacing out is I always think can those moving parts make defenses pay otherwise so with Carl Wiggins Butler they can all cut really well and that's as dangerous to me as an outside shot um but you're right I mean they really lack shooting and they really lack the ability to stretch um I think last year Zach Levine was the best shooter on the team uh and then percentage wise Gorgie was actually second (laughs) so that's not great um although he only takes like two a game um that has so, yeah. to come up now right like it has to be like he has to start firing like three or four a game yeah you know? they're gonna like run plays for him to shoot outside i'm sure oh it's gonna be so <laughs> weird to see gorgie jang running <laughs> off of curls every five seconds <laughs> exactly um the thing i just looked up and i really didn't even know it is that jang like clockwork is shot 43.4 percent in each of the last two years on long twos between 16 feet and the three-point line that's a legitimate weapon oh nice 
And the cutting thing, like you said, that that's a good point as well. Um, and even if you look at towns, like I, I'm definitely guilty of falling into this. Where if I'm not watching the Timberwolves regularly, and then I, I check out a game or two, but and also Towns is doing this stuff off the dribble on these face ups where he started beyond the arc anyway. Like I forget he's such a, a smooth ball handler, and when you have that from your big, uh, in addition to the post moves that he brings, that's kind of that's another way to make defenses pay if you don't have a ton of shooters uh, on the floor. Because I imagine the defenders are going to be caught off guard as I just watch him and I forget. I don't know why I forget it, but he for a big guy. Um, no, I know. No, that was it. It's, just it's for a bulldozing so, big guy. He just so smooth. Yeah, it's 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 so bizarre to see, and every time you see it, it kind of blows you away. So, you know, I don't think you're alone in that at all. The, um, but he will definitely, he'll probably actually like be one of their best options, you know, to like surprise defenses and and space the floor. I guess it becomes it becomes the the starting lineup should be fine, um, unless and I don't know that I've read anything. And if I did, I'm, when you look at like some of the depth charts, they have. Gibson listed as the starting power forward over Jang. Um, I don't know if that's a thing. If I just I think he, well, he started all the preseason games over him, so I'm guessing that they're going to have Gorgie come off the bench. I don't like that, but I mean it helps you with shooting <laughs> on the bench. But I, that was going to be my point. Is I guess that's where the problem comes in. Is you look on the bench and you have to you kind of have to stagger the minutes of some of your starters carefully because who are your right. proven shooters on the bench? There are you know Belicia had that good year as a rookie and then just cratered. Uh, as mm-hmm. a shooter last year. I guess now you have Jang that I didn't know about. Um, <laughs> Jamal Crawford, like sometimes he'll shoot like 35 or 36% from three, but he's going to dribble it seven or nine times first. Uh, yeah, I don't know if we can count on him anymore. Shabazz Muhammad had a stretch last year. It was like 25 games where he just was blitzing three-pointers. I don't know that he, like he was just smoking everyone. There, He was only taking, I think, one or two a game, but he shot like it was a ridiculous percentage. It was I was in the 50s or closer to 60% on three over just a 20-game span or something like that. I'm a big fan of Shabazz. I'm not as big a fan of Shabazz as Shabazz is a fan of Shabazz. But is anybody, I think though? That, <laughs> right. But I think that it's going to surprise people, and I also think this is part of the effect of maybe nobody's been watching the Wolves that much, but I think that it will surprise people um, what he can bring to a game. He's like someone who comes in and brings instant offense, and one of the running jokes about him is that he rarely gets assists. Um, I remember one time this year he got an assist before he made a field goal or attempted a field goal or something. And I had to like, look up if that's ever happened in his career. But I think that he's going to be one of the people who really surprised, um, surprised people about this Wolves team. And I think that probably if you look at their bench options, he's going to be one of the best ones. He might be, I guess he might be their best one. It would help them a lot if he was kind of able to all of a sudden become this pick and roll orchestrator or something because your backup point guards now, I guess, are Crawford and Tyus Jones, and like those are your facilitators, and you have the option of staggering. Well, there's Aaron Brooks, too. Oh, I did forget about him. That's a tip. That's another Thibodeau guy. Right. (laughs) He's racking them up. Um, I, I do, is, like, do you have confidence in Thibodeau to do that though, where he'll stagger the the way he plays like some of those stars enough to where there's never a not a featured option at the floor at once, or are we just going to see a lot of Jamal Crawford led bench units? I don't. I'm not sure. Um, you know, Wiggins played the most minutes in the league last season, and I think Carl wasn't far behind him. Um, I'm not sure that the old saying um, and idea around Thibodeau that he kind of like plays guys to the max, I'm not sure that's untrue, which is a double negative for me to say. I think it's true. Um, 
we'll see. I'm not quite sure how the staggering will work this season. Uh, hopefully it, hopefully we can get a couple units where they'll rotate in, you know, Gorgie, um, and they'll rotate in maybe like Tyus. Um, we actually saw that last year with the starters, but I'm not sure if it's just going to be two separate units or if he's going to stagger them. It might, maybe it might be interesting just because we saw how much Butler can direct an offense in Chicago last year. Maybe it's interesting to use a quick hook on Teague and put him in some of those second unit lineups. And that, I, that was just, again, that's just something that I just thought of. I don't even know. I feel like I'm just spitting right. out a lot of bad ideas with this team. <laughs> no, that's okay. Let's let Gorgie be the, the ball handler. That'll be great. <laughs> yeah, he'll come off around screens and he'll handle the ball. I'd be all, yeah. I'd be all for that. He might be. He's he's kind of in that like Chris Middleton, Gary Harris category, right? Where it's the you can gauge how much someone is actually a fan of the NBA or watches teams by saying is is Jang a good player? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would say that he's he's definitely in that category. I mean, people always I'll actually get emails about it because I bring him up a lot because obviously I'm a fan because you know we both went to Louisville, um, who's you know <laughs> rough times for schools you guys, doing guys, right now. Um, yeah, but obviously I'm a fan, but I people email me all the time and they'll be like, well, his defense is terrible, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, not that analytics really matter, but he did finish 11th, if I'm correct, in defensive real plus minus. And to some people I know that means nothing. But if you watch him in a game, it's so clear, you know, how his communication um, helps and you know he'll communicate switches and he'll operate in the middle like a director and he you know takes the tough assignment and he's really like the cleanup guy. So you're right, he is like a good litmus test for you know how intensely you watch a team. The thing I noticed about him last year that I honestly had zero idea that he could do coming in is if you switch him in space on defense and it's not a train wreck. Mm-hmm. I just right. didn't – I don't know why I didn't – like, he knows how to use his length. He's His lateral gait is, is pretty, like, quick and organic for a big guy. But I, I, I was just seeing it – I'd seen it, excuse me, and I something I just had no idea. I would have just assumed he would have been torched in every situation. But I think you could call him, especially relative to the rest of this, ro- this roster, he seemed like a plus isolation defender or switcher. Right, and that definitely goes back to his global days. Um, that's something we've seen all along. But, yeah – he is. He definitely is. It's just, you know, when you have to match up against someone like Anthony Davis, there's going to be a lot more lowlights than highlights. I, that might be the benefit of I guess bringing him <laughs> off the bench now too, though. Would be sure, yeah. You're not you're not being matched up against one of those guys most of the time. Uh, I did not. I'm very interested to see how that plays out. I can't shake the feeling that maybe they'll try and target like a midseason ball handler or point guard or something. They don't have a lot of trade assets, but I still. Uh, conspiracy theory alert! I'm still, I still fully believe that once Isaiah Thomas gets healthy and returns to the Cleveland lineup, that Derrick Rose is gonna oh. get, leave Cleveland and he's gonna just end up in Minnesota and the band will be fully back together again. Oh my God, that's like my nightmare. I hope that doesn't happen. I think you're also underestimating Tyus Jones. I. What are I, your thoughts on him? I don't have thoughts on him. I think he's like a good shooter. And that, like someone who could turn into a good shooter, but I don't have, I have not seen enough of him. I didn't know enough about him when he came into the league two years ago. But if he's someone that you can get in to just run a, a pick and roll, I'd be fine. Um, maybe I'm not giving him enough credit. Is he ready? I know he didn't play a lot last year because Thibodeau and youngsters, but is, is he someone you could see that's just going to – no, I guess if you believe in him, that's fine. But do you think Thibodeau will actually turn to him? 
well, he so he did last year, and granted, like the options were a lot more scarce last year. But they put him in during a few close games, even a few close fourth quarters, um, because he's like such an energy guy, and he has this like mature swagger about him that like the pressure almost didn't even get to him. So I really hope that they use him more this year. I really, really like him. He'll come in and he'll just like command everything. Um, so yeah, I rec- I recommend getting on the bandwagon now. So now I have to get on the Tyus. He's called Tyus Stones is his nickname, and that's actually <laughs> I actually like that. I haven't heard that before. That's actually pretty good. Um, and so I have to get on his bandwagon, and now I have to try and convince you to get on the Justin Patton bandwagon. Yeah, tell me about this, because all I really know about him is that the impression is that he's really raw. I mean, he's definitely raw, but he seems like he could develop into this, and I don't want to use the like the word, but like this half unicorn, like a just a better version of maybe Richon Holmes' ceiling, not the player that Richon Holmes is now, and mm-hmm. he didn't do a lot offensively when he was at school himself for Creighton, but like there were times when he would operate off the dribble, and he would just take these pull-ups over guys, and it reminded me of what Kristaps Porzingis was doing a little bit, and I'm not trying to make that comparison. These like, are some big comparisons. <laughs> I'm just I'm sold on him eventually becoming that three point shooter who's going to be an okay passer, can put the ball on the floor, and he's just going to block shots in volume. And if you're going to become that guy in today's NBA, uh, you have it made. So I'm I'm all board the patent bandwagon with the caveat. I have you look at the Timberwolves roster. I, I don't see any reason for Thibodeau to play him. Yeah, I was going to say that's assuming that he gets any minutes. I feel like the only way that Patton gets in, like, actual minutes in the game is if, for some reason, they're, like, halfway through the season and they decide they have to tank again. And they're like, well, okay, might as well put Patton in and get him some minutes. But otherwise, I really don't see them using him at all, which is unfortunate because you just called him Christoph Porzingis. Yep, verbatim. That's exactly what I said. <laughs> Patton's going to be way better than Christoph Porzingis. <laughs> Do you do you, take. do you think that's like it like Tim would Thibodeau die if, if they were that bad again? Where this I don't I think Vegas <sighs> had them coming in at like forty eight or forty nine wins when the, those things first like churned out. Uh, if they miss that again, where it's because that's a big jump. They won thirty nine. I think that was. I think they have them forty eight point five, which is eighteen wins more than last year. That's a huge. That's like we're not even yeah. talking about like the easiest thing to do in the NBA is to go from kind of crappy to good but like they're banking on the Timberwolves going from inexperienced and kind of crappy to really 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 good yeah so was yep well I mean wasn't their their estimation the year before some people had them at 50 I think right right and that was wild that was too much um I I guess considering they finished at their or as you called it 31 their emphatic 31 win fuck no which was probably my favorite line in your Timberwolves preview at the thank you everyone should go check that out and get t-shirts made up with that line on (laughs) right hopefully that will not repeat this year I can't see it I think they've Like, the the absolute floor is, like, they've got to win 40. There's just no way that they don't win 40. Ooh, that's a nice segue. Um, So what do you see the floor for this team? Is it just 40 wins? Just because the West is brutal. and It is. I I know people kind of pencil them into the playoff formalities, but I'm still at the point where I have the Warriors, Spurs, Rockets, and Thunder get in, and I'm not sure when you look at everyone else who will be fighting for those final four spots, the Jazz, the Clippers, the Blazers, the Nuggets, the Pelicans, hopefully the Grizzlies. I, I don't know that the Timberwolves are just noticeably better than a huge 
like most of those teams where we could say, well, they're going to end up with the six or the seven seed at worst. So many teams switch things up that I honestly have no idea. It's like a completely different landscape for those bottom teams. I mean, it depends on little things like, are the Pelicans going to turn out to be anything, or is that just going to be a huge like you know cluster like last year? I, I honestly like there's so is Denver going to like become this giant like front court renaissance? Like I I have no idea. We really have to like wait and see for all of the, like for the fifth seed down. We have to wait and see, but. Coincidentally enough, that is what I think their ceiling is, is I think that they could get the fifth seed. The fifth seed? So you th- I guess you think that 50 wins, 51, 52 would be within reach yes. for them? Yes. I, well, yeah, I do. That's my take. What has to happen to them for that? To, like, what, what has to go right for them for that to happen? Like, is it, you know, Wiggins is all of a sudden this fringe, like, a good defender? Like, what has to happen for them to make that sort of leap? Their defense has to be way better. And, you know, that's obvious. That's probably the most obvious. But also they have to be selfless on offense and everything has to click. Like you were saying earlier, um, will the spacing be an issue? Will everybody be concerned with getting theirs? Or, you know, will it all of a sudden work? We, <laughs> I'm really not sure. But it, it would have to click on offense for them to get there. That's for sure. And I guess one of the big things with them, too, is their fourth quarter performances were less than ideal last year. Oh, my God. They were probably worse than the league. Um, And that's another thing that veterans help with, though. When we were talking about, you know, is that cliche just a cliche or is it true earlier? Veterans help with things like fourth quarter closeouts. Um, And I actually think that, you know, Jimmy Butler's experience, like he'll have a lot to do with actually letting them close out games instead of just, you know, throwing them away. I'm sure that, like, if you enter the fourth quarter stats within five last year, the Wolves finished last. I would bet money on it. I mean, they were so bad at closing out games, and they have been for the last two years. They had the third worst net rating in the fourth quarter overall last year, right? Right in line Yikes. with the Phoenix Suns and the Orlando Magic. <laughs> two pillars. Yeah, the and, the, and the Suns were trying to lose, so. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and so I that guess, has to get better. And I guess that's where. Jamal Crawford, not an efficient player, but like maybe that's where he comes in handy. Like that's an extra from uh, from scratch shot creator. And I, we saw it the other night. I'm sure you saw the highlight going around. Like he put Kevin Durant on skates. Like and mm-hmm. he can still do that even though he's a million mm-hmm. years old. So he helps there. If they, I, I mean, how many games do they? More games do they win if they execute better in the fourth quarter? Like you said down the stretch. So they could even be, and that might be the biggest argument in favor of them hitting their ceiling is. Maybe they're actually working from a point of 38 or closer to 39 wins than 31. Right, right. No, I, I completely agree, and I think it is a matter of that. I would I would seriously guess that it, last year they lost, like, 15 games in that scenario. It was so – it happened so often, and it was the worst. Um, yeah, and I actually tried to look it up now. They were um, – they were 25th in net rating, but they were in games that – uh, in the, that they went to clutch time, just the final five minutes, that normal clarification, they were 15 and 30. Yeah. That is, um, yeah, that's pretty bad. I get, yeah. wow, you might have just, you might have just talked me into the veterans that <laughs> That's my job, isn't it? I guess. Um, I'm, I'm, the Taj Gibson one is so far gone, I'll never get there. I just, I just don't know. Aside from yeah, I'm surprised that that's the one that you have the biggest problem with. I would think that Jamal Crawford would be everyone's issue since his three-point shooting has like continually gone down for the last like five years. I, but Jamal Crawford just gets buckets. Like I just I can't explain it. And I, we're talking about substantially less money. I don't know why. Like 
I don't know why you had. Would they use their room exception on him? Like I don't know why ha that had to be a thing. But he did shoot. Right, 30s. he was the minimum, right? Um, he. What did he end up with? He didn't want to sign at the minimum. I thought was a big deal. He got four point. Yeah, so he got their room exception. Okay. Or their like part the mid level or whatever it was. I don't know why I'm blanking on this now. So I <laughs> guess I get that, but I like Josh Gibson is making fourteen million dollars. I think his biggest contribution will be that maybe he helps like carl anthony towns mentally or maybe he's that extra defensive <laughs> communicator but you can't like he's not going to help your spacing outside of like eight feet and like then all of a sudden hey he's a three-point shooter now yeah he made he made two um against the lakers i i did hear a rumor that they looked like they were nothing too that it just looked like he'd been doing it his whole career yeah, it, actually, that was kind of odd. And then after the game, Thibodeau was like, oh, yeah, he's just been working on it a lot this summer. Like, that's just something that people pick up and don't, like, struggle with their entire career. So it was kind of suspiciously casual. But we'll see. I, I guarantee that doesn't cross over into the season. There's no way you shoot 45 threes your entire career and then suddenly become a three-point shooter. I can't see that happening. Tell that to Marcus All. Or better yet, you know okay, what? I hope he does. Very good point. I hope he does shoot very threes because point. maybe Tim Tom Thibodeau will pull him, and then Justin Patton can get the minutes that he so rightfully deserves. There you go. Um, so this is how we get Justin Patton in the game. Yes, I'm I'm all about that. So if that happens, <laughs> there'll be an I told you so waiting on Twitter for everyone who follows me. Um, <laughs> so where do you ultimately see this? Like, where's the I, everything? Like, you're just taking it to account. Where do you ultimately see them falling in terms of total wins, and then? inside the Western Conference hierarchy? I think realistically somewhere in the 46 to 47 wins. Um, I want to say that's optimistic, but only because of the... I know it's lower than Vegas had them, but I think it's optimistic still because of this Western Conference. Um, and I know I said earlier, I think their ceiling is maybe the fifth seed. I think that they would be... I think they should be a lock for the playoffs no doubt, um, but I would put them like 6th, 7th maybe, realistically. I think that's fair. I don't even have those locked for plays, and I, I just think that's fair because you added I, – I, even as I try and, like, criticize them, like, you just add so much pure talent, like, over right. the offseason. And if Wiggins gets right. even a tick better, we know Carl Anthony Towns is going to be – the guy's like a top 20 player already, and now you have two top 20 players with him and Jimmy Butler. So, Right. Um, and I guess the last thing would be – kind of pour one out for ricky rubio are you are you for, i mean I, I've, I've asked this to a couple of people are you for or against this like ricky rubio physical evolution where he sort of oh, looks I'm like Hans so Gruber. for it i i'm he like all of a sudden seems like this dark guy now though like just because of his beard like, i'm well first of all i'm for it as a heterosexual woman but i mean it's just like <laughs> he all of a sudden like he just left the team and now he's like got a man bun and he's got this huge beard and he's got a sleeve all of a sudden i just feel like he's gonna go to utah and like you know find himself and emerge as this like really like bad boy player and i'm just about it because his whole identity in minnesota was like this nice guy who was just a caregiver on the court and now it's like his time you know i i'm for the Someone called it the Ricky Rubio reboot, like the character reboot. Like I'm all for it. He was the guy, and I immediately associate him with when he's that gif or that video of him telling Alexei Shved, smile, change your face, be happy. Like that's what, that seems like the perfect encapsulation of his time in Minnesota. Yeah, he's really the greatest, and I hope he does really well on the jazz. 
it was kind of a, it was a bummer to see them trade him, even though it felt like it was what Thibodeau wanted to do for. Ever, I mean, since ever he since got he there. got there, honestly, yeah. Were you surprised it ended up being Je- like? The, I mean, the deal with Jeff Teague was done. I don't know how long before free agency because it was twelve oh one and he already signed. Mm-hmm. Were you surprised that it was it was him? Did you think it was going to be something that was going to just be a longer process with another name? Yeah, honestly, I was I was very surprised because I thought that if you were going to um, deal Rubio, then it was going to be for like a substantial step up. Um, and stepping back, I mean, Jeff T obviously is, but I I did think it was surprising. I thought maybe they had someone like a bigger name in their sights, but you know, I don't I don't know. Like I, was, I said before, he's perfectly fine, and he'll do you know he'll do great things on the Wolves. That's what his headstone will read, Jeff T. Yeah, perfectly, <laughs> perfectly fine. fine. <laughs> I was convinced it was going to be George Hill, but I was also convinced it was going to be George oh, Hill for at least two too. other teams. Yeah, I was too. I, I, every team except for the Kings, honestly. This is so bizarre to me. I still can't wrap my head around it. I, I respect – I mean, I maybe George Hill would have gotten a comparable offer elsewhere because it's basically a two-year deal since that third one's a million guarantee. But I respected Vince Carter just coming out the other day and saying, well, I, you know, I did this for the money, basically. I'm not trying to chase the ring. They, they offered $8 million, so I took it. Yeah. Um, so I respect that if that's what he did. And the actual final question before I do let you go is okay. this time next year or it's the end of next season, Wiggins has signed his extension. Are we looking back and saying it was a good move or a bad move? Oh, man. I have like a good Wiggins and like a bad Wiggins on both my shoulders right now. I could seriously what see it going Wiggins either way. What does a bad Wiggins look like? That summer league <laughs> game where he knew he was traded to uh, Minnesota already and he just like. Oh my God. <laughs> no, it's the video of him when they were, he was on SportsCenter when he was getting, right before he got traded that summer. And this anchor was like, what, what team do you want to be on? And he looked into the camera with the saddest eyes I've ever seen. And he was like, I just want to be on a team that wants me. <laughs> <laughs> literally that. the saddest thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, okay, I'm I'm going to go with, I think that the Wiggins deal, um, we're going to look back and be like, oh, they were very smart to do that. Because I've seen what he can do on offense. I mean, it's just like, he'll have nights where he he just dazzles. And it'll it blows me away. So I'm going to definitely go with it's a smart move. I hope I'm right. For his sake, for the Wolves' sake. I mean, again, it might just be a default thing by playing with Jimmy Butler because he's almost become underrated on offense maybe. If you trust that his jumper will hold, which I think is a fine mm-hmm. assumption to make, like that, that whole killer instinct trope that I remember that followed him into the league and it's still kind of peppered throughout a little bit. It's just not like his attack mode is, is legitimate. Right. Right. He's, I mean, when I read that Vice thing, I was like, I've always thought of him. It's so, it's so you know, oh, oh, you're a basketball fan? Let's compare this guy to Kobe. But I swear, like, when I read about the like the quotes that he has, I'm like, okay, this guy kind of sounds like Kobe. I guess. I don't know that I've ever would have drawn that comparison to him. But Just just, the, just with their work mentality. Yeah, I, and, could, I, I guess I could see. I mean, his, his game kind of too, like, it just I, – I, I, there's never going to be that force that Kobe had, but I, I just think his – his attack mode is I don't people don't give him enough credit for his attack mode because it's there and it's not like he only breaks it out every once in a while like it seems to be a fairly consistent thing now. Right. Well, there you have it. Um thank you so much Haley for coming on to talk 2017-2018 Minnesota Timberwolves. I learned a lot. I hope everyone else learned a lot. <laughs> 
Um, if you want to talk to Haley on Twitter about her scalding hot Minnesota takes, uh, her saying that Andrew Wiggins was underpaid at the end was pretty bold. Uh, she is at Haley <laughs> O something. Uh, Haley is spelled H A L E Y, and that's just a capital O, and then something, which might actually be the best Twitter handle, one of the best Twitter handles out there, because we were talking about the problems your last name posed for me, even when I was trying to find. Nobody uh, would follow me if my Twitter handle was Haley O'Shaughnessy. They would never be able to find me. I'm about to unfollow you and follow you again just because it says <laughs> Haley or something. So that's brilliant. Um, if you want to talk to me about my lack of knowledge on Tyus Jones, I am at Dan Favale. That's F-A-V-A-L-E. You can talk to Andy Bailey, who abandoned you tonight to study for law school. He is at Andrew D. Bailey. Please follow MBA Math at MBA underscore math. You can find us on the Hardwood Knox official account out Hardwood Knox. Please subscribe, leave a rating, uh, leave a review, even if it's a mean one. We like to hear how we're doing. Uh, there will be no shout-out to Ben Udre today since Andy's not here. So until next time. I never planned on losing my job, but we all know life can change in an instant. And losing my family's health insurance was an even tougher pill to swallow. So I looked into Cobra, but too pricey. Then I found out I could enroll through Covered California where I was able to choose from good health insurance companies I've actually heard of. I even got help paying for it. There's a limited time to qualify after losing your insurance, so check out CoveredCA.com today. Covered California. It's more than just health care. It's life care. Covered California knows that one moment can change your life. That moment you say, I do. That moment you meet your baby for the first time. Or even that moment you lose your job and your health insurance along with it. For those times when life changes, we've got you covered. Covered California lets you choose from brand name health plans, and you may even get help paying for it. Your enrollment period is limited, so find out if you qualify by getting free expert help at CoveredCA.com today. Covered California. It's more than just health care. It's life care. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G, because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.